Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today on the podcast, we have another message from chapel during theology conference. Reverend Jason Piercy preaches Perfecting Holiness. This is a tremendous message that you're going to want to check out and maybe even take notes. It's so well balanced and well done. You're going to enjoy this message. But before we get to it, I want to let you know that we also had a very special forum on a Thursday evening here during Theology Conference where a number of our instructors sat down to discuss lessons and principles gleaned from the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. That's a fascinating podcast all on its own, but to hear our instructors discuss the ideas there, it's going to be a treat for this podcast, for our faithful listeners. We will bring it to you here and future special pieces of content. Right now, let's listen to Perfecting Holiness by Reverend Jason Pearson. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God. Shout unto God. Shout unto God. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Victory is in this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And let everybody say amen. Amen. I do honor all of the good men and women that make this awesome place happen. I love Indiana Bible College. Man, it smells good around here. Somebody said, not in certain dorms on the other side of the road. Brother Carson, thank you for being my friend. I love Brother Carson so much, and I got to serve on the youth committee with him for a few years. Brother Kilman said many, 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 many years. Um, but I love Brother Carson so much, and um, I don't know if you remember this, but I met you in Ohio when I was a Bible college student. And we came, uh, I was with Uh, Paul Pamer and some of those guys, and we came and did some outreach at your church. And you had so much passion for what you were doing. I don't even remember the name of that little town and for what you were doing there. And I thought, this is a great guy. And then we were on the youth committee together, and that same passion was there. And now here at Calvary Tabernacle and Indiana Bible College, he inspires me with his passion. And I'm so glad to just say, I'm friends with that guy, really, really, really awesome guy, and I thank you for the opportunity to serve here at IBC for a few moments, and of course, Brother Kilman, wow, I can only talk to him for seven minutes at a time, then I have to go find a dictionary. (laughs) Inspired, challenged, convicted, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Most of the time when somebody asks me a hard biblical question, I say, hang on, let me call Brother Kilman. I'll, I'll find out for you. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much for letting me come. I appreciate that so, so much. And Brother Grant, man, what a message, bro. Just don't ever stop sharing your testimony. Man, just love so a lot. Brother Gallion, I wonder what cream and ointment he uses to keep himself from aging. Does anybody know? I asked Sister Gallion about what hair product that he uses, and she said I couldn't afford it. So I don't know. I don't know. I love you. Thanks for being my friend. Brother Gallion's great. Sister Gallion is awesome. Really, really awesome. We had him come preach at our youth camp when I was youth president, and, and he said, anything in particular I need to bring? I said, Sister Gallion. 
Just be sure she comes. Just an awesome, awesome family. And Brother Rodenbush, I honor you, sir. It is a great privilege to be with you. And I honor you for the great investment that you made into the kingdom of God. I know I'm not the pastor here today. And, um, but I feel this pastoring thing on me. And so if I teach more than preach today, I hope you know it's not just because I've spoke 47 times in the last 38 hours. Um, I, genuinely, I genuinely feel like I need to communicate something that God has desperately laid on my heart. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, we will draw a few verses here to see what God might say to us. Are you okay if we just talk about the awesomeness of, of God today for just a few moments? 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Paul the Apostle writing to the Corinthian congregation, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or... What part has he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So associations, relationships, bargains, contracts, distinct portions and joint elections cannot cross between righteous and unrighteous. For you are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive. I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Paul went on to say, there's a chapter break, but in his original letter, it's a seamless transition as he wrote, having therefore these promises. What promises? The promise that he would receive us. A promise that he would be a father to us. A promise that we would be his sons and his daughters. Those promises. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the Spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I will take my title from that first verse of chapter 7 simply today, Perfecting Holiness. We think about perfection in a world of images that are filtered and covered by what is appealing to the flesh. But perfection biblically is not flawlessness. It is maturity. It is not perfection in the modern sense. It is completeness as it relates to the wholeness or the holiness of God. I want to talk to you about perfecting holiness. Will you put your Bibles down and will you lift your hands to the Lord and let's call upon his name. God, I need your help today, Jesus. I pray that your spirit, Jesus, would sweep into this convocation. 
and that every single person in this place and every person joining us by way of the webcast, God, that your anointing would be upon us, that enlightenment would flow into the minds of every person that is thinking about your word today. In Jesus' name. Lord, let this awesome command to be separate from this world and connected to the daughters. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Thank you. You may be seated. Perfecting holiness is not just in the flesh, it is in the spirit. And if you notice the text, that lowercase s affirms that holiness is not just of the spirit of God, for his spirit is holy, but it is of our human spirit. You are flesh, yes, but you are also spirit. And filthiness is not just of the flesh. Your spirit can also be corrupted. And so can mine. Truly perfecting holiness means to take upon oneself the majesty and the moral purity of God. Jesus gave us these promises. He said, I'll be a father to you. You will be my sons and daughters. I will receive you. But that promise was preceded with commandments, not suggestions. Commandments. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Most of the time, those of you who are listening to me speak today have heard that verse quoted in conjunction with who you choose to date and who you choose to marry. And that's absolutely true. But I've seen just as many people walk away from the glory of God over the wrong friend as I have seen walk away from the glory of God over the wrong mate. So... Be careful who you share your associations with. Fellowship speaks of sharing association, but communion speaks of intimate relationships. What communion does light have with darkness? And what concord is a bargain or a contract does Christ have with Belial or Satan, the sons of Satan? What part, it is a distinct portion, does the temple of God have with idols? And what agreement, it is a joint election, does the temple of God have with those idols? I must ask myself, and you must ask yourself the question today, and that is, what does it mean to truly perfect Holiness. I can tell you that perfecting holiness is not passive. It is active. We have not arrived. Forgive me if that flies in the face of your theology, but I can tell you as for me, I still need deeper convictions. I still need stronger moral values. And there's a whole lot more to the glory of God than what I have already attained in my life. I refuse to stagnate and let his righteousness deteriorate into self-righteousness. Perfecting holiness is active, not passive. Too many people that I've tried to lead in in ministry have revealed themselves as hypocrites because the flesh looked great, but the spirit was filthy. 
And the reason it happened is because somebody misrepresented the holiness of God as only being the outer man, and they didn't attend to the inner man. The spirit of a man must be holy if we are to perfect holiness in our lives. It is dynamic, and it is not Static. I must be very frank with you. I am concerned whenever we on mass or minor scale attempt to tear down the standards of separation that men and women of God have established in generations that preceded us. And the reason why, the reason why is not that they are supremely relevant in our age. The reason why is because I know in their heart they had a conviction that was pure and it served them in their generation. And for me to tamper with that is not what God has for my generation. I, I don't know how to say it, any clearer than what I'm telling you, even if, even if I don't fully, if a man of God is warring for my soul and covering my life with apostolic pastoral authority, I owe it to God and some Perfecting holiness doesn't mean tearing down what the previous generation set up. Perfecting holiness means building a structure that matches the integrity of the foundation, which grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Brother Grant gave us a great word and he spoke of a foundation not as a static thing but a pathway. And while they, that may seem a little bit outlandish, the truth is so does a building that grows. But you see God's temple is not static. It's dynamic. And it is not a structure built with dead objects. It is constructed of lively stones and it is an organism that advances toward his glory and it doesn't lean toward the winds of doctrine that blow it to the right or to the left and cause compromise in its growth. I want to tell you, I want to tell you if separation from the world and connection to God was essential in the first generation church and the second generation church, it's essential in our generation of the church as well. Psalm 110, verses 2 through 4. The Lord said, the Lord rather shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauties, everybody say beauties, in the beauties of holiness. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. In this prophetic song, there is the phrase, the beauties of holiness. And if you study that phrase, beauties of holiness, you'll find the Hebrew word hadar. It means magnificent ornament or splendor, beauty, comeliness, excellency, glorious, glory, goodly, and honor. And it is according to the majesty of nature. It is according to the majesty of nature. I will tell you very clearly that nature 
itself being in the fashion and the form, the design of God, and us being created in the likeness and the image of God will reveal His holiness if you leave it untampered. I was convicted last night when I watched a politician rise to say there are only two genders, male and female. And I realize there is a man that is elected with boldness to proclaim truth and so many men and women of God that are called by God, not appointed by men, but called of God that refuse to touch those texts. There's some things that nature itself teaches us. Nature itself teaches us it's a shame for a man to have long hair and a shame for a woman to have shorn hair. Nature itself screams out there are beauties in holiness. There are beauties in holiness and the beauties of holiness are according to the majesty of nature. There is no way you would ever compare the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset with the beauty of a flower at the end of a green stem. Why? Because according to nature, they both have their specific design and function as well as individual beauty that was in the heart of God being revealed in his creation. Don't you Dare compare yourself to another person and say holiness is according to that personal standard or another. No, 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 no. Don't you dare. You ladies, go ahead and be ladies and exemplify the individual beauties of holiness that God put in your nature. And you men, go ahead and be men and exemplify the individual beauties of holiness that God put in your nature. I've come to tell you, you don't have to assimilate into the image that some deviant is fashioning up to strip the beauties of holiness out of this generation. I say let's keep on perfecting holiness. The beauties of holiness are revealed in the majesty in context of referring to the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I think you know who that is. And he referred to the beauties of holiness and the womb of the morning and the dew of thy, do you see that? The psalmist took nature and he put it up against a person that would be the personification of the holiness of God's sinlessness yet in flesh. And I want to tell you what he personified is what he has in mind for you. I don't find anywhere in the text that Jesus opened up Cosmopolitan Magazine or GQ to make sure he was modeling himself after the deed and the fashionistas of the day he had a nature that was greater than any form in any fashion he had a beauty that was greater than any standard of appeal or attraction and it was holiness the beauties of holiness the beauties of of holiness according to the majesty of nature. According to the majesty of nature. Back in the day, an old timer could rise and preach when he spoke of a woman not wearing men's apparel. And he could draw a, a, a contrast and he would say that you would be appalled if you saw a man wearing a dress. But now that is not the case. I live in the South in the Bible Belt. I live in the South in a place of conservative values. 
And in my city the other day, I saw a man wearing a dress. It is a corrupted age. It is a deviant generation that not only goes into the darkness and the debauchery of transgenderism, but it seeks to indoctrinate our sons and our daughters not just to know it is an option, but to gravitate toward it. And I must tell you, sir, you will preach in that world. I must tell you, ma'am, you will minister in that world. And if there's something, you better settle it now. We will continue perfecting. I'm not. I'm not satisfied with the standards that my daddy had. I'm looking for stronger ones. I'm not satisfied with the revelation of the glory of God in the beauties of holiness that my mother had. I'm looking for greater ones. It's not passive. It's active. It's not static. It's progressive. I'm headed up. I'm headed forward. I want to be more like Jesus. I, 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 I want to continue. I want to have boldness enough to tell you that what your generation needs is not alternative lifestyle. What they need is apostolic value. I will go so far as to say that's what they will be attracted to. Purity, sincerity, integrity, not self-righteousness, but God's holiness. And there will be some that will make fun of it, live it anyway. There will be some that will deem it irrelevant, live it anyway. There will be some that say it inhibits growth, live it anyway. Because the fact is, what is pure draws. The fact is, what is true sets free. The fact is, what is genuine tastes sweet. The deviants know that if they can destroy nature, they can destroy the God that fashioned nature. So don't lose the lessons that nature itself teaches us. I want to preach to some people. Don't forget that denying God leads to a reprobate mind. And I cannot find anywhere in the text that God would be attracted to a filthy temple. I cannot find anywhere in the scripture that anybody will see God absence of the holiness of God. So keep on perfecting it because nature itself screams out. You were individually created to represent, personify, and put on parade the holiness of God and the beauties thereof. Colossians chapter 3 says, Mortify in verse 5, Therefore the your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He went on to say, for those things in the which you walked some time when you lived in them, but now you also put off, everybody say put off, put off these things too, anger, wrath, malice, Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You see, the beauties of holiness, Hadar, is to strip down, strip off, pull away anything that's a facade, fake, or a lie, and reveal the beauty of holiness according to nature. I'm, I'm trying to be very careful here. Not to step outside my boundaries. 
But I want to tell you, ma'am, if you come and preach a youth camp where my daughter is attending a few years from now, please don't personify Jezebel to my little girl. I'm begging you. Don't come in and tell my little daughter she has to paint her face or cut her hair in order to attract someone. I'm begging you. Don't believe the lie that fakery is more beautiful than natural holiness. I'm begging you. Sir, can I just preach to you for a moment? Please, don't look to GQ or whatever it is that you look at that idolizes fashion and form and come preach a youth camp to my son and get him looking more like the world than he does these apostles up here that minister the word of God. I'm begging you, please. I'm begging you, please, don't fashion your clothes or your hair or your face or any member of your body in any way other than screaming out the nature of God is beautiful. feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Your destiny in the kingdom of God is to reveal God to your generation and it will not come in a filthy temple, a corrupt flesh, a vile spirit. It will come whenever you strip everything of this world off. Strip everything in this world away and say, God, according to the nature that you have created me to live in, your beauties of holiness will be revealed in me. Don't come preach my convention if you're not going to talk about holiness. Don't ask me to come preach revival in my church if you're not going to personify the glory of God that is revealed by His holiness. Don't, don't come to me and ask me for my recommendation on your ministry if you are propagating a message that is against nature. Let God be true and every man a liar. Psalm 29.2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty, not the beauties this time, but the beauty, singular, of holiness. That phrase in the Hebrew is just a little bit different. It's not hadar, it's hadarah. It means decoration, glory, holy adornment, according to the majesty of royalty. And here's what I've discovered Perfecting holiness is balance. It is taking off the old and putting on the new. Colossians 3 verse 10 goes on to say, And put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uncircumcision nor circumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, free, but Christ is all and in all. Can I tell you the civil, the social, and the racial unrest in your generation will be solved with holiness preaching. Not all of you clapped your hands and not all of you said amen because you don't believe it. I'm going to say it again until you do believe it. A holiness preacher, a holiness man, a holiness woman is going to rise in this generation. Oh, 
They're going to rise in this generation and they are going to assemble people from every nation, every tribe, every kindred, and every tongue. And people are going to check in their carnal ideas at the door and they're going to come in refusing to be racist anymore and taking on the holiness of God. The culture of his kingdom that is holiness. And it won't be about their image, it'll be about his image. And it won't be about Hollywood's fashion, it will be about his holiness. Put the new man on. Put the new man on. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. If your perspective of holiness is anything other than merciful, kind, humble, meek, and long-suffering, you got it wrong. Don't let your commitment of separation from the world segregate you from the people God called you to save. There ought not be any arrogance in your dress. There ought not be any self-righteousness in your hair. There ought not be any arrogance in your tone, in your sermon, or in your song. It ought to be humble, meek, pure, sincere, kind, long-suffering. And I want to tell you, that kind of holiness preaching and that kind of holiness teaching and that kind of holiness singing will win your generation. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is working in this room today yeah there's been times we've got it wrong there's been times with immature perspective of holiness we have made it into self-righteousness and arrogance God forgive us God forgive me God, forgive me. God, forgive us. God, I pray that when I put on the new man, when I put on the new man, Jesus, I pray that it not be an arrogant new man, but that it be an humble new man. God, let me take on the form of a servant and let holiness be personified when I wash somebody's feet. Let me put on the new man that's bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even Christ forgave you, so forgive others. Don't tell me you're holy if you're carrying offense in your heart that you refuse to forgive your brother. Get up preaching a holiness message and singing a holiness song if you refuse to talk to a brother or a sister that did you wrong. I find a Messiah in my Bible that forgave me while I was yet a sinner. Christ Christ died for me. He made a way for forgiveness for me long before I ever asked for it. And when I strip off the things of this world and I put on that new man which is after the image of Christ I will be forgiving in fact I'll never be more like Jesus than when I am forgiving somebody and above all these things put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. You got to love your brothers and your sisters. You got to love the men and women that you're here in this college with. You got to love the brothers and sisters that you go to church with. You got to love. You got to love. You got to love the people that need God in their lives. You got to love them. I'm going to make it real, real clear. You ready? You need to love that person that's a homosexual. You need to love that person that's a transgender. You need to love that person that got an abortion. 
You need to love that person that's a murderer. You need to love that alcoholic. You need to love that drug addict. I want to preach to you about holiness that does not segregate you. It causes you to reach forward and draw people to the Lord. That kind of holiness shakes and shapes generations. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which ye also are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Stop fighting with the church across town. Okay. Stop it. Quit fighting over acronyms. If they're preaching the new birth message, if they believe the oneness of God, if they're advocating for holiness unto the Lord and separation from this world, I don't care if they're UPC, ALJC, WPF, or independent. It don't make no difference to me. Don't point to previous generations' wars between apostolics and say, we'll just carry on that fight. It's the end time. Bring peace into your life. Let hope of that. Stay on your feet. You're the hope of that. You're the hope of that. I've gotten it wrong in my past. I'm trying to get it right now. You're the hope of that. He's coming back for a church that is not segregated and isolated. He's coming back for a church that is faithful and unified. Part of holiness, preacher, that's it. I'm telling you it's part of holiness. I'm not just putting off all the flesh. I'm putting on all the majesty. You see, because Hadar is according to nature, but Hadara is according to the majesty of royalty. Holiness being balanced and imperfection is not just what you take off. It's what you put on. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Can I preach to you worship majors for a moment? Write a song that unifies the body of Christ. Write a song that glorifies the oneness of God. Write a song that screams to prodigals, you've got a place to come home to. Write a song that tells the sinner there's forgiveness. Write a song that tells my son and my daughter it's okay to be separated from the world and to let God be revealed in their lifestyle. Because what we put on is not just with our sermons and our messages and our lessons and our lifestyles. It's in our psalms, our hymns, and our spiritual songs. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and to the Father by Him. Holiness most often is referred to as what we put off. We put off the porn sites. We put off the porn sites, brother God. We put off those stupid movies that do nothing more than turn our brains to mush. Am I okay? We put off fashioning ourselves after the cares of this world. We put that off. We talk about holiness all the time, putting it off. putting And that's right, it's right, it's right to put it off. But if all you do is put off, you won't last. you got to put on. 
you gotta, you got to put on the majesty of royalty. you you, you got to put on a lifestyle that if you can't live it in the name of Jesus Christ, don't live it. Whatever you do in word or deed, if you can't do it, giving glory to God, don't do it. Know that your daddy is a king. Know that your father is royal. And you were called to a higher standard. And personify the beauty of holiness in a royal fashion. The majesty of nature is so individualistic that every single thing is different. Didn't Jesus say, who would compare the glory of a flower to another thing? Solomon say that. Isn't that in the text? How could you compare one glory to another? Nature is very individualistic. There's so much beauty that is distinct in nature, just like there's so much beauty distinct in you. So much beauty. But the royal nature of God is singular. I, I have my identity in that he created me to be an individual. And I have my identity in that he called me to take on his image. And fashion myself. Read your Bible. We are to fashion ourselves after Christ. Have you ever noticed that the queen doesn't care what Lady Gaga is wearing? not fashion herself according to what is popular. She fashions herself according to her identity and she knows to do so because she is royal. And it's not just the ladies. It's the men. It's the young and it's the old. Don't just put off the flesh. Don't just put off the carnal. Put on the spirit put on the righteous find yourself in pursuit of perfecting holiness with the balance of what you put off and what you put on but here's the truth you'll put on more than you take off read the text Paul mentioned a third more Things what you would put on above and what apparent mean to his favor. Is it time to quit? You okay? I know you're standing. I'm sorry, but you okay? I want to tell you what's going to happen in your generation. Some of you are going to have to be bivocational ministers. And it's going to happen... And you're going to be advanced faster and further than the people who have the degrees because you have morality. Listen to me. I'm living what I'm telling you. You will be advanced into leadership positions, roles of influence, roles of, of strength, roles of power and authority and you will do so because you personify the holiness of God. There's not an employer in this world that wants somebody that's unethical. Holiness ain't going to hurt you. Holiness is going to help you. Holiness is not going to hinder you. Holiness is going to advance you. advise this but when I interviewed for the job that God gave me now they said Jason we want you to come work for us and I looked at them and I said I don't have a clue how to do this job I don't recommend doing that in an interview but I'm honest to a fault and I said and that old guy slapped me on the shoulder and he said Jason you got ethics and morals I can see that all this other stuff you can learn but I just need somebody that will be honest I need somebody that'll be true. I need somebody that'll be sincere. Yeah. 
Don't you believe a lie and be damned. Holiness is not going to hurt you. Holiness is going to help you. Holiness is going to advance you. Holiness is going to increase you. And it's not just what you take off. You'll put on more. You'll receive more than you ever sacrificed. Begging you to preach this to our generation. <laughs> I am begging you to write sermons and songs and messages about the holiness of God. And when you come to Tennessee to preach to my kids, I am begging you to preach holiness. When you come to preach at my church, I am begging you to celebrate the glory of God and the culture of His kingdom. I am begging you to come with your heart right and your body right. I'm begging you to come with your spirit right and your flesh right. I am begging you to not stop perfecting holiness in your generation. Because without which no man shall see the Lord.